Section 3. A Ride Across the Peloponnese. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Rob Marland, outside the church in Andritzena. A Ride Across the Peloponnese by George Macmillan. Section 3. Basai. The next point in our journey was to be the temple of Apollo Epicaurios at Basai, near Figalea, from whence Mr. Cockerell brought the Figalean frieze, now in the British Museum. But Basai, perched high up in the mountains of southern Arcadia, was too far away to be reached in a single day, and Ritzena was to be our first stage. Thither, accordingly, we set out at eight o'clock next morning, riding along the left bank of the Alpheus, over ground very much broken and rich in vegetation of all kinds. Anemones, scarlet, purple and white, shone about our path. Evergreen shrubs, bay trees, mastic and laurestinus abounded, and every now and again we passed a pear tree loaded with white blossom, or a judas tree clad in gorgeous pink. The scenery reminded me of the Trossachs, though softer in character and on a smaller scale. Up and down among hillocks picturesquely wooded with oak and fir and pine wound the path, now descending deep into some thick glade, fit ambush for the brigands one hears so much of, now climbing some height from which one got a grand view of the river winding through the valley below and the green heights on the other side. About eleven o'clock we came to a little village standing on a spur which ran out across our path, and round which the river takes a bend northward. As we went through the place, we passed a house from the balcony of which hung several gay-coloured rugs, shawls and scarves. We learned that this was a wedding trousseau. The bride herself, a pretty girl with black hair, rosy cheeks and dark glancing eyes, shortly appeared, to whom we raised our hats and wished her through our mouthpiece Nicholas, every happiness. The path now led downwards into a green marshy plain, where vines and corn were growing. Fording first the Ladon, which here joins the Alpheus, and then the Alpheus itself, no easy matter for the river was full and the stream strong, we pulled up on a very inviting bank of grass, sheltered by a group of plane trees. After a delightful plunge in Alpheus's sacred stream, a rough and ready lunch, and a short siesta, we began to climb out of the valley, up a very steep rocky path consisting here and there of paving stones, smoothly laid, and as slippery as ice. It was a wonder that the horses ever found footing upon it at all, especially as in some places it was almost perpendicular. This paved way was, we were told, an old Turkish road. Turks may have their own views as to road-making, but to the ordinary observer it would be difficult to imagine any kind of road more totally unfit for the passage of men, horses or carriages through a mountainous country. We were now passing from sacred Ellis into Arcadia, quote, rugged nurse of heroes. After riding about three hours through the wildest scenery, through thick brushwood with masses of grey limestone rising here and there, now descending to the bed of a stream, now climbing again to some sweep of moorland, covered with white heather six or seven feet high, and carpeted still with anemones, orchids, and gladioli, 
we came at last upon a real arcadian scene the path suddenly led us right down into a green valley where were sheep grazing tended by shepherds in rough woollen cloaks with crooks in their hands through the midst ran a clear stream spanned by a beautiful old bridge sloping up and down like the roof of a house and paved with limestone blocks varied here and there by a slab of marble this bridge is supposed to be of classical antiquity and to have been originally built of marble alone in the long grass by the stream grew a cluster of white narcissus the whole scene was in smiling contrast to the stern outlines of the mountains around in these cold modern days the gods and goddesses of the good old times no longer wander even in the wilds of arcadia the nymphs and dryads are no more the greek women of to-day do not fulfil that ideal of beauty with which perhaps too sweepingly their ancestors have been credited it would be worse than ingratitude however not to mention a fair damsel who passed us on our way down to this valley bending beneath a load of faggots her face crowned with masses of dark hair would not have disgraced aphrodite herself so perfect was it in form and colour so bewitching in expression andritzena could now be seen some three or four miles in front perched up among the mountains a very stiff climb brought us to the top of the ridge which leads up to the village looking back from this height we had a glorious view of the whole extent of country through which we had passed mountain valley and river stretching away to the sea whose silver-grey level was broken in the far background by the faint outline of zante the northern horizon was bounded by erymanthus and the snow peaks of archaea the whole was bathed in the golden light of the setting sun turning our backs at last upon this scene of beauty we rode rapidly into andritzena thoroughly tired after our long day's ride the village makes a striking picture the houses built mostly of grey limestone with red tiled roofs are perched in picturesque disorder on a steep hillside beneath lies a deep valley whose sides are clad with olives and figs and corn and vines behind rise the mountain masses which divide arcadia from messania the village itself stands three thousand feet above the sea and the keen purity of the air at this height is most exhilarating fortunately so for us for our quarters in andritzena were not of the best the little room in which the four of us were to be boarded and lodged contained nothing but one whole chair one with a broken back and a few three-legged stools and this after ten hours in the saddle perhaps it may not be out of place to insert here a warning to the traveller in the interior of greece not to expect too much in the way of food and lodging especially if he falls as we did upon a season of fasting the more independent he can make himself by carrying with him both provisions and bedding the better it will be for his peace of mind and body i would not recommend a too absolute reliance on the invigorating powers of greek air though i may myself gratefully admit that this divine ether stood to me in the stead of food and sleep to an extent in which nothing but personal experience could have made me believe next morning april seventh we started in heavy rain for bassai our way lay southwards over the mountains behind andritzena the country was remarkable for its wild grandeur 
the bare grey hillsides which surrounded us were streaked here and there with rich colour either of newly turned earth or last year's bracken or oak trees with clumps of yellow-green mistletoe shining amid their dead leaves the rain which fell in torrents did not damp our spirits but seemed rather to suit the character of the scenery and to add a delicious freshness to the air at last the path which had been winding steadily up became steeper and rougher as we climbed to the top of the ridge our horses picking their way with difficulty among the loose boulders it had now begun to clear and the sun shone brightly out as we came suddenly in sight of the temple of apollo standing on a rocky platform some fifty feet below no more striking sight could be imagined the ledge on which the temple stands runs out from a grand amphitheatre of rugged mountains all of the cold grey tone peculiar to a limestone formation the barrenness of the hillsides is relieved by little or no vegetation only here and there stands a single stunted oak whose gnarled branches and trunk are covered with dark green moss or golden lichen the last survivors these may be of some mighty forest which in the days of old surrounded the temple now they look forlorn enough the only representatives of life in a scene of utter desolation the view from the temple looking southwards is very magnificent immediately below a precipitous descent leads down into the valley of the nader flowing westward into the ionian sea beyond this depression rise on the right the mountains of messania the cone of mount ithame last stronghold of messanian liberty conspicuous among them to the left are seen the grander mountains of laconia the jagged snow peak of tagatus towering above them all tagatus at whose foot stood sparta in the far background a faint glimmer marks the sea in both the messanian and laconian gulfs let us now turn to the temple itself one of the most perfect specimens of doric architecture now existing it was built as pausanias tells us in the year 438 bc by the inhabitants of Figalea, and dedicated to apollo epicarios the helper who had at their prayer stayed the course of a plague which was wasting their city the architect chosen for the work was none other than ictinus fresh from the execution of the greatest temple the world has seen the parthenon at athens surely no architect ever had a more impressive site to work upon than this which i have attempted to describe we might wonder how people should ever dream of putting a temple in such an inaccessible spot were not history at our side to remind us that all early races and the greeks were no exception delighted to worship their gods in high places so then ictinus set to work using the material that was ready to his hand the grey limestone from the hills around and his work has lasted in some sense to this day for only two columns are wanting out of the thirty-six which composed its outer circumference the roof which was made of marble tiles is gone and one only of the row of ionic columns which stood around the inner shrine is still in its place the frieze which ran round the top of the keller is in the british museum but even as it now stands the temple possesses that beauty which is quote, the fitness of things the perfect harmony of its proportions for which and for the beauty of the stone it was honoured says pausanias above all peloponnesian temples save that of tegea 
still fascinates the eye the columns are scored in a remarkable way with horizontal wrinkles which at once by concealing the breaks between the drums make them appear monolithic and also produce the effect of old age as if in the lapse of centuries they had bent beneath the weight they've had to support another remarkable feature is the pink lichen which grows so profusely over the building as here and there to give it a distinct roseate tone lastly the effect of the temple being of the same grey hue as the hills around is that one almost loses the sense of its artificiality and comes to regard it rather as a natural growth a strange and beautiful product of some geological disturbance to archaeologists this temple presents three points of special interest firstly it's placed north and south instead of east and west secondly there are traces of a doorway into the pronaos of the eastern side and that too not in the middle but nearer the southern end this most unusual opening would seem to be accounted for by the desire which the greeks shared with other nations that the first rays of the morning sun should find their way into the temple and if possible fall upon the statue of the god the third thing to be noticed is that when mr cockerell visited this temple sixty years ago he found a corinthian capital lying among the debris inside if this really formed a part of the original building it's probably the earliest extant specimen of this style of architecture which did not come into common use till late in the fourth century returning to andritzena about four o'clock in the afternoon we found it was too late to get on to megalopolis the next point in our journey so we were forced to pass another night in our old quarters we amused ourselves till dusk by wandering through the village there was only one street worthy of the name and this was narrow steep and winding over the shops were wooden penthouses protruding so far on each side as almost to cover the whole breadth of the street the shops in question were merely a succession of general stores each containing the same endless variety of wares from tallow candles to silk handkerchiefs from knives and olives to cigarettes and clothing of all kinds the man of fewest trades was the barber who employed the moments he could spare from his trade and gossip in making boots we noticed that the people were all buying yellow tapers and on inquiry learned that these were for the early easter service next day easter sunday old style to this we went out soon after two o'clock in the morning picking our way along the rough streets by the feeble light of a lantern to the little church whose monotonous bell was summoning worshippers from all the houses round i'm afraid i cannot venture to describe the service i remember only that the glare of tapers as we came in from the darkness almost blinded me for a time and that before long the combined smell of these tapers and of incense together with the monotonous drone of the priests was too much for us and we had to come away we had here our first and only sight of the women of andritzena some of whom were congregated in a closed cage something like the ladies gallery in our house of commons end of section 3